Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, oh waiter, I'll have the rage with a side of tired, please. Plus, Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen returns to help unpack parenting and work in the time of COVID. Oh, and it's Max Fun Drive. Woo! Boo, 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 boo. The solo woo. Sometimes it's better to woo alone than to not woo at all. <laughs> This is going to be a really fun and exciting show because Deb Perlman is coming back on to talk about her article that she wrote, op-ed piece that she wrote for the New York Times last week that's entitled, In the COVID-19 Economy, You Can Have a Kid or a Job, You Can't Have Both. And whoo boy, we have a delightful time unpacking all of that. But before we get into that, I just want to say once again, as always, that you are doing a very good job. It is not necessarily getting easier. In fact, sometimes it feels like it's a lot worse when you look at the numbers. And that's very confusing when everybody's pushing for things to pretend like it's normal. So if you are an essential worker and have been out there since the beginning of this, thank you so much. Essential workers come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. It is not only people who are helping from a medical point on the front lines. It is the people who are operating the grocery stores, getting those supplies to the grocery stores. It is teachers and volunteers and people at your pharmacy. There are not a lot of us besides possibly a podcast host that that should not be deemed essential. Like everybody, uh, you're still working or taking care of loved ones. Uh, that is essential to me. So thank you so much for doing that. A special shout out this week to all the single parents, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single parents. Wow, I see you. You are in a situation that probably has daily impossible decisions to make. And you are doing a very good job and like I said, to all the people who are out there volunteering, whether it is to make sure people are getting food that need food, whether it is to help us figure out voting in America in November, which is critically important this this time around. And I think it's important every time. I like to vote for everything. <laughs> And I think this is a really good example this time in our lives of how important it is to vote for city council, school board, all those things, they impact us. And we're seeing that right now. So thank you to those who are helping us figure out how we're going to safely vote. And thank you to all the people in education who are unfairly being asked to figure it all out on your own for what fall is going to look like for 
millions of families and kids. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Speaking of thank you, it is the Max Fun Drive. Normally, this is something that happens in March every year, but something else was happening in March this year and in all the consecutive months that have followed March. And to be honest, it has not felt like a reasonable time to ask for support. And it still doesn't necessarily feel like uh, the right time to ask for support, but we're going to. We are going to. And let me tell you why. Max Fun is a artist-owned and artist-supported business. That is the model that we use. All of us who have podcasts and are part of this community, we are putting, you know, our own money and our own time into making these shows possible. And we're able to do that because we are supported by audience members like you. Your support helps us continue to make this show. It helps us continue to hire and have a producer like Hannah, who has made these last months bearable to listen to. Guys, I am in a bedroom and I will be sending out a picture of my studio fort that I have made. And she makes it all seamlessly work. And so it also supports all the staff at Max Fun who help us throughout the year when we need it and help find and support new voices in podcasting. You can give by choosing a monthly amount that's comfortable for you. Most people give $5 a month or $10 a month. And some upgrade to $20, $35, or even $100 per month or more. But it's, it's really about what works for you. As always, there are fun gifts. Hello, sack of banana enamel pin. And events over the next few weeks. We're going to let you know about them on social media as well as here on the show. So visit MaximumFun.org slash join and find out more about how you can continue to help One Bad Mother and Max Fun make podcasts. We've been doing this show, God, is it seven years? It could possibly, this could be our seventh Max Fun Drive. And we have been able to make this show because you pay us to do so. And we would really like to continue making this show. It is a silly job, but it is a job that I have found a great reward in uh, and great community in. And I'd really like to keep making it. Uh, it has also allowed me to navigate working from home during the time of COVID-19 with a little more flexibility than most, which I think ties in nicely to what we're going to talk about today with the lovely Deb Perlman. In the COVID-19 economy, you can work or you can have kids. You can't have both. 
please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. This week, we are welcoming back Deb Perlman, who was a self-taught home cook, photographer, and the creator of everybody's favorite, SmittenKitchen.com. She is the author of the New York Times best-selling cookbooks, The Smitten Kitchen Cookbook, and Smitten Kitchen Every Day. Deb lives in New York City with her husband and two children. Welcome back, Deb! <laughs> Thanks for having me back on. I will. I would love to have you on almost every day if I could. <laughs> I, we would have lots to talk about. Before we get into what we are going to talk about today, though, even though I gave away some spoilers in your bio, let us know who lives in your house. In my house, uh, in my apartment, is my husband, Alex, mm. my son, Jacob, who is 10, and my daughter, Anna, who turns five today. Woo! It has been a year since we last spoke, give or take. Wow. A little over a year. I know. Anything anything different these days? <laughs> no, I spend so much more time with my family than I used to. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's just probably just a random thing that's happening. <laughs> yes. Um, I spend a lot more time with my family. We have to uh, hold each other, so we've got that going for us. Um, I think we're we're thriving. Um, so yeah, that feels good. Well, I would say that, you know, maybe socially thriving or if we found ways to make it work. I would say all things are. I really like that there is that the scale is we haven't all killed each other or thriving. <laughs> somewhere in the middle. No. Yeah, no, it's it's for sure somewhere in the middle. We've got you here today because we're gonna get into the article that you wrote for the New York Times called In the COVID-19 Economy, You Can Have a Kid or a Job, You Can't Have Both. I really actually do want to ask you in all seriousness, how are you doing? I think we're doing okay. It's not like, obviously, it's not like the easiest time. I just, I think I'm keenly aware of how much worse others have it. And I know that's kind of like a weird way to describe things. But I think because I can see what we're going through relative to what everyone else is, I know that we're not having the worst time. It doesn't mean we're having an easy time. Right. It doesn't mean that this is great. And we love like <laughs> it being impossible to work and our kids getting, you know, a, a pale imitation of school and camp and everything else. But um, I one of the reasons I wrote that op-ed was because I have these frustrations and I felt overwhelmed by them and yet I didn't hear anybody kind of speaking about it from the perspective of what happens if you're a working parent and like none of the systems that you've built up around you which were fragile to begin with but still yeah. worked are working and are you just supposed to leave the economy or are you supposed so all these big questions and I kept reading articles that were about you know, the economic collapse and bars and restaurants and how will we reopen sports and yeah. I understand yeah. And schools this and schools that. And I just wasn't reading like, okay, if I'm supposed to be a homeschool teacher, am I supposed to be bad at it? Or am I supposed yes. to be bad at my job? Which one's <laughs> going to fire me first? Bet you can't yeah. guess. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's just get right into it. Because that is that is exactly, you were able to encompass in your article this 
general sensation of exhaustion and rage that so many of us are feeling. And one of the things I really that I really liked was that you like just openly say, we're all so tired. How are we supposed to even get people's attention about this? And I think you're right. It was fragile to begin with. I mean, we have talked for years on this show, and it wasn't a new topic, that if a kid gets sick, that's a huge deal for working parents. Like, who's taking off work? Can you take off work? Who's going to watch the kid? That was already a fragile situation. Heaven forbid a family goes through a crisis of any kind. And now we are all simultaneously going through a, a crisis together. And I'm with you. I don't see how this is supposed to work at all. Tell us a little bit about some of the conversations you were having with your with your friends and other people and, and in your own house about this. Absolutely. I mean, basically, you know, like everybody else, you know, you, you've got your group texts and you're like secret mom groups on Facebook and you, you've yeah. got your little channels where you can speak safely to other parents, which is great and release some steam. And I think, you know, when, when, when schools were first canceled and we were all home, we weren't like, hooray, I'm homeschooling, but we, we decided we were going to make do as best as we could because right. it's a, it's a global pandemic. This is not regular times. I hope right. this is not our new regular times and we have to stay home. And I live in New York city where it was especially bad and we yeah. knew what we had to do. So we all like, you know, this is what I need to do for the world. I will do it. And there was this idea that like maybe in six weeks we'll flatten the curve because everyone's going <laughs> to do their part or maybe in eight weeks and we can start talking about reopening. Ugh. And instead what we found was that we went four months without playdates, without playgrounds, like being having an incredible strain put on our work. And this is, by the way, for people who were even able to pull this off, people yeah. for whom who still have a job, people who the biggest problem like is that my kids aren't getting enough playground time. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is like such a tiny fraction of what parents are dealing with today. So after four months of that, what we heard back was, yeah, we're just going to continue this indefinitely. And I think that you can, in the short term, make adjustments. But in the long term, you're like, wait, that that I need a policy. I need protection. I need job protection. I need something. We need income protection. We need a plan. We need creative thinking. And none of these things were happening. I don't know about you, but we've been starting to get the emails about, you know, options for the fall from, and I, I, I'm some sort of weird school nerd. So I like to follow all the different school districts that are in LA because mm -hmm. we're in the LA area and they're all different, which I find fascinating. And they all still do not solve the problem of what is a working parent supposed to do either the three days a week that your children aren't in school or maybe your kids are going back half day. It's okay. Whose work is half day? What about after school care? Like that I mean, a lot of a lot of people rely on before school care and after school care. There's no uniform plan. Not that we can make something uniform, but I agree with you. I feel like the onus is on the schools and the families and the kids and not on the employers 
to solve this problem? I think that we're hoping to find resolutions from schools, and I don't think it's a reasonable expectation, at least in New York City, but probably true for most of America, because this is just kind of how, how we feel about schools. Our schools are underfunded. They yep. are overcrowded. They are understaffed. They are not going to be able to magically invent 64 square foot per person. They cannot. Yeah. We don't have the space to expand. This is not within the school's ability. Meanwhile, <laughs> it's not like, oh, the teachers get sick. No big deal. Like a lot of teachers feel this crushing pressure. And every teacher does yeah. because they know that the schools can't protect them from this thing and that the policies that they don't have enough money for the PPE and all the things that the dividers, they, this is not going to magically happen. And I think we need to be looking further up the chain. We need to be looking at who funds the DOEs and wh what's going on here because you have these underfunded schools, they can't pivot. And I don't, you know, I don't think it's reasonable to be expect them to. I think what I'm hearing yeah. overwhelmingly from teachers is that we're either heading for a colossal teacher strike or we're heading for, I mean, we already have teachers quitting. I have, yeah. I have mom friends who are teachers who have these back to school meetings and they literally go and they try look at their bank account or talk to their spouse if they have one and say, can I live without my income for a year? Because I cannot come back to this. Yeah. They can't protect me. I can't get my mother sick, my seven-year-old. Like, so there's this whole mess of things and it's just, it's become set up like parents versus teachers and teachers are like we're not your daycare but it was it was it's not really about that it's about a no. lack of a national conversation about universal child care and it's about funding of schools so they can do what they need to do to keep kids safe yes the position that we're putting teachers in is absurd the lack of funding i one of the we've been all over the place with schools uh, with the kids for a variety of reasons. But I used to, um, and I still volunteer in classrooms, but whether it was a kindergarten classroom or a third grade classroom or the art studio in a school that was in a wealthier neighborhood, you know, supposedly the taxes were better, all the stuff, never were there paper towels or soap. <laughs> <laughs> There aren't enough things. Yeah, there was never a paper towel. And what I, <laughs> which used to make me nuts. And when I think about how much hand washing we're like, we're going to be requiring everybody in a school to do, even if they're only there for 10 minutes a day. Where are the paper towels? Like this, like just that one dumb thing. And then I think about how many places are lacking paper towels and my mm -hmm. mind explodes. Also, do you know kids? Do you know, do you, are, are you familiar with kids? Kids are really good at staying away from their friends. I don't know. They're definitely not going to be using their masks as a slingshot. I, right. <laughs> I badge. No, I mean, it's, I, I was of the belief naive in the beginning <laughs> that kids could keep their masks on all day. Then we hit <laughs> summer in New York, which is so hot and sticky. And oh, I don't even, yes. I will keep it on and I will do it. But I'm a grown adult who understands why it's important. And I find it difficult to keep my mask on for yeah. two hours outside. Well, yeah. you know, if I'm trying to chat with other people and it's hard. And again, you will do it. We do hard things. This isn't really a question. What I'm saying is that I'm a grown up. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. understand tiny bits of epidemiology that I've learned over the last few <laughs> months. Like there is no way my four and 10 year old can make this decision. And I think teachers are right to say absolutely no way. You can't even get us paper towels. You can't yeah. even keep 
these bathroom plates. We don't have funding for anything. You're not going to magically have extra sinks and plexiglass dividers. And so the really, you know, we come back to this idea of funding schools and how we value it in this country, which is to say not enough. And not then we come all. back into this idea of how are we protecting workers in this country. And again, yeah. I, mean, I write about banana bread for a living. I wow. know. Like, the amount of stuff <laughs> I've had to like, but I just, you, you look at it. And again, this is just these issues of childcare have always existed. It's always uh-huh. been very hard to find affordable, accessible, high quality childcare. It's always been a fight that working parents yeah. are in. But since March, when we fully took away all the systems that exist, unless you're in some top two percentile and have just hired a private tutor or your living right. nanny or you know like people who are like not people who should be having any say in policy I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> like if you're I'm doing right. fine good for you like the rest of us are you know really don't have <laughs> options and so I started thinking about like it's not just about pressuring schools it's about pressuring the systems to keep the schools from being able to do what they know as educators is safe and it becomes about what are we going to do to protect parents? Okay, so like last week, I feel like we saw the first lawsuit of what I think is going to be perhaps thousands of, it was a mother, um, a mother, an employee suing her company for wrongful termination because she says that they were complaining about her kids making noise in the background of calls. I mean, this is going to happen over and over. How are we going to protect parents' ability to earn a living or protect their jobs if they have to take leave to be educators? Well, they should probably not have kids, right? Isn't that I mean, the probably, obvious yes, choice? So you have. Oh, oh, you have you been reading my email? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> have you been reading my email? Why? Why have you even had kids? And I'm like, yes, because you know. And I wanted to hit it like right on the head. Sorry, we're gonna have to sidetrack. I didn't even think about. The response, I like, I read your article and I'm like, all I want to do is send you like flowers. And I, the idea that somebody is being like, well, you asked for it about, about I, uh, yeah. as if the schools that you are required by law to pay taxes yes. to, and then by law have to send your kids to suddenly close for the year, you're supposed to have some sort of. I don't know, like, what's your backup strategy supposed to be? Not educating your kids? Or are you supposed to also be paying for some sort of all-age daycare that sits empty all day while your kids are supposed to be at school? Like, which of these things was I supposed to be doing to make sure that I always had a backup (laughs) plan? The backup plan is, and we actually had one. We have a babysitter. We actually had a backup plan. But guess what? It's not safe for her to come in either. I know lots of people are bringing their babysitters back everybody do what feels good to them. It doesn't feel right to me. Right. So I haven't brought the babysitter back. And even if I do, what about her school age children who need to get yes. none of these systems work. And at the same time, we are looking at not only are we asking teachers and school staff to go back into a completely unrealistic situation of safety. We're also asking our kids to go into these situations. The decisions that are facing parents right now seem overwhelming. I've gotten an overwhelming amount of emails also from single parents. Yes. Yeah, we talk about like, other families are talking about like, which parent's gonna stay home and whose income we're gonna live without. Like, I have no options. That is also, you know, there are people who are considered essential and they've been back for months and they've been in this situation, but you know, some of them have been sending their kids to schools that have been set up for essential workers. Right now, if we're going back to the offices 
and our kids are in school, we're all essential workers. Like where is our, where's the protection? And where, like, what are we supposed to do? Are we basically just inviting parents to leave the economy? And I think the problem that happens in America is that we end up with these, every time something happens with schools or childcare, we end up having to re-debate this idea of like Mm. mothers working whatsoever. I mean, which is just crazy because overwhelmingly, I think I read like 70% of mothers work and 95% of dads work. And yet every time it becomes this excuse to talk about whether moms should even be working, like it's not even on the table. That's not what we're debating. We're debating the idea that should you, are we, are we being asked to just do a garbage? Like, is my kid just not going to have a sixth grade education because I right. can't school him? Or am I going to not pay a mortgage because I'm not making income? Yeah. Which of these things is going to happen? And I'm speaking for lots of parents because, again, yeah. I just said we have we have more privileges that are disposable, but most people are facing this thing. So which one are we saying doesn't matter? So let's let's wrap up on any, like, thoughts on... Let's solve the problem, Deb. <laughs> We're going to fix it right here in this podcast. You and me. And then I get to go back to making banana bread again. Oh, my God. I enjoyed. Like, I, I know. She should be, like, making banana bread and, like, pie right now. <laughs> and instead, I'm, like, ranting about, like, talking to, like, Congress people in my, like, spare time. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, you could send um, them so all wild. some fucking banana bread. You well, could just send like up. the joke of, like, the pen, like, it's a bad joke, yeah. but, like, you know, it's just this idea that we all started off making sourdough and, 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 and you know, banana bread, and now we're all, like, dismantling, you know, systems of impression. <laughs> and I feel like I might be that arc, too, because I started off making banana bread and I'm, yeah. like, yelling on podcasts <laughs> about childcare solutions in this country. But I just wanted to... I wanted to express what I was hearing because I think that, you know, a lot of parents can't do this, that, you know, if you have a boss, you can't just go on Facebook or Twitter and be like, I can't handle this because that's what you're literally telling. I mean, this is, this is capitalism. Like you're going to lose your job. They're going to say, oh, well, somebody else can handle this better. I will give somebody else this person's job. So most people don't have the freedom to speak like freely about how hard it's been. I also think that I do because I'm self-employed. I don't think my boss, which is also me is going to yeah. fire me, but I don't know. Perhaps I have. Um, I'll, I'll, well, I'll look how much banana bread. bread have you been making, Deb? <laughs> Not so much, Deb. Oh. Um, uh, and then also, I think that, you know, people, parents don't want to, most parents aren't comfortable and we shouldn't be loudly advocating for school to return because it sounds like you're marching your kids into the salt mines. We don't actually right. know that school's safe. We know it's not safe the way it exists now. We know schools aren't funded enough to be able to make these changes. So what, you know, you certainly don't want to be out there, you know, yelling that school should open and the school's open and then, you know, God forbid what happens. So right. I think that a lot of, you know, I asked why are people not talking about this? And I think our hands are tied in many ways. And I think that we're looking in the long, wrong places for answers. So where should we look? You, you mentioned that you've been on the phone with Congress people, which I think is amazing. Crazy. <laughs> where should we be focusing our attention if we've got five minutes to breathe? What can I do? Not that you have to have an answer for this, but like. I have answers. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yes. I'm answer me. Else. Good. Um, <laughs> I think you should call your lawmakers and find out if they support universal child care. Find out what if they don't. Find out if they're going to what they're doing to make sure that you don't have to leave your job before we have a vaccine. What they're going to do to protect you if you do get lose your job because you're supposed to educate your kids. I want to know if they have any say over the DOE. If they're if the DOE in your in your state or your city or wherever has 
Are they encouraging more creative solutions? Are they looking at, like in New York City, we have the Javits Center, like it's this yeah. giant place and it's empty. Are we looking at all the empty spaces mm. in New York? Are we looking at ballrooms? Are we talking about having classes in the gym? Are we talking, if they can set up hospitals in Central Park, what yeah. can they do? I'm not in during warm weather. I mean, I am a food blogger and I just listed five things. So maybe yeah. the people whose job it is to come up with creative <laughs> solutions can be doing it. The people who can help schools do what they need to do to pivot. So that's one part, but I also want to know what they're doing to protect your job. That's yeah. like a very basic thing. What is your loan? And, and I think that we should, even if you don't have kids, but to understand that when women get pushed out of the workplace, yeah. We don't have women at work. We have bad systems. We don't have as many women in Congress. We don't have as many women bosses. We have a lot of other messes that I think come from women being pushed out of the workplace, which is what happens disproportionately. Now, there are many men being pushed out of the workplace too. This isn't obviously all families. I'm just saying that overwhelmingly, it's women who get hurt harder when childcare gets squeezed. The, yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah, oh, sack of garbage. Go ahead, what else? <laughs> And of course that, you know, two income families might be having a hard time. I mean, there are so many other oh, situations that are so, yes. as I said, I've heard from an overwhelming amount of single parents. You also have people whose kids just, they rely on the schools for special services and they yes. haven't been getting them. It's one thing to miss two months, which is not good, but it's another thing to miss six months or a year or most of a grade. These kids backslide much faster. We, we joke around about like, oh, my hair is a mess. And I, you know, yeah. I, I never get dressed to go outside anymore. Like I, this is a very long time for a five or 10 year old. This is a yes. lot more. And my kids are doing like relatively well. They're fine. They don't, my, you know, neither my kid has an IEP. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, they, they don't have IEPs and they, they aren't getting special services. And so they're, they're doing okay, but that is not most kids. No. Most kids are having a really hard time and they're backsliding on any progress they've made since September. And they just don't know. There's just, there's so many secondary things happening. You also have, as will always happen when the economy gets squeezed, you have a disproportionate effect on people of color and mm -hmm. your minorities. And you have, you know, people who are in far more strained situations having a much harder time than again, you know, people with more options at their disposal. Yeah. Well, Deb, I cannot tell you how much I have always appreciated your banana bread, but <laughs> how much I appreciate you writing this article on behalf of all of us. And I'm glad that you're talking to people in Congress. I'm, I, and I hope what happened was they read this and decided to call you. That's exactly what happened. And I have been shocked by how far it's come because I just thought it would be quietly slipped in to the Sunday paper no way. and I would go back to writing about birthday cake and spaghetti and meatballs yeah. and it was the opposite and I'm I'm flattered but it also like it was never about me I just want I just wanted to it felt very good to yell and just get it out and I in the week or so since the article was published, I feel like I'm seeing almost every article yeah. mentions the impact on working parents too. And it makes me feel like we haven't fixed it, but maybe we're starting to see that the needle like wiggle at least a little bit on this. Yeah, no, I'm it, it that's all it takes is, you know, getting getting a, a little push and to hopefully open the floodgates and you know, I we are going to list all the things that you suggested, as well as link everybody up to the article. 
and some of your cooking related things. <laughs> so they can Thank you. Ultimate banana bread. That, Gotta do it. <laughs> I fucking love the ultimate banana bread. Will make us all feel better. It doesn't involve sourdough, which is amazing. Thank you so much for writing this and thank you for, you know, not meaning to, but winding up in a position uh, to speak for all of us. Uh, I appreciate it. We appreciate it. And I hope that if we talk to you again in a year, we have seen the impact of of these discussions in a positive way. And I'm glad that you and your family are safe and doing reasonably okay. (laughs) Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Deb. All right. Take care. Thanks again. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. I love Deb Perlman, and I love her banana bread and her righteous sense of justice. (laughs) Guys, it is discussions like that and the ability to have guests on like that and talk about these things the way we have always tried to talk about issues with honesty and humor and urgency sometimes is one of the things I love about being able to make this podcast. So again, it's Max Fun Drive, and we know that there are many, many worthy causes, <laughs> particularly right now. And we know that some people are not in a financial position to be Max Fund members. We get it. We completely understand that. In fact, I feel like One Bad Mother is born to understand that. But if you are in a position to invest in this show, we would really appreciate you supporting our ability to make it. You can visit MaximumFun.org join, and you'll see all the ways you can give. Again, most people choose 5 or $10 a month. $5 a month is like, you know, a Starbucks, not even a venti Starbucks, <laughs> just like a cappuccino grande Starbucks. And some give more, like $20 a month or more. We are really and truly grateful for whatever level of support you are comfortable with. As always, like I mentioned at the top, there are gifts. This year, uh, Maximum Fun has put together the Max Fun Game Pack. It includes a set of Max Fun branded dice in a velvet bag to fondle with the Rocket logo, as well as a deck of custom Max Fun inspired cards. Each face card holds several designs, nodding to shows on the network. That's just one of a lot of different gifts that we are giving away this year. Again, the enamel pen every year there has been an enamel pen for each show and ours this year is sack of bananas because we really feel that's been the theme of this year (laughs) so once again we are all working as hard as we can i think of renee culver over at can i pet your dog i'm thinking about james arthur over on Minority Corner. Those are just two of the hosts who have great 
graciously given their time to One Bad Mother while we have been getting through this time when Teresa has had to take time for her family, which we 100% support. So all of these hosts, we're all working as hard as we can and going through this to make sure that they have something meaningful to share with you during this time. We are so grateful to those who have already supported our ability to do this, not just for us, but for all the people who enjoy what we do. And we want to continue to do it because of your membership. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, you can head over to MaximumFun.org join to find out more. Now we're going to find out more about our lovely producer, Hannah, because she's going to join me for Genius and Fails. <laughs> hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206 350 Genius fail time, Hannah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is very exciting. In honor of Max Fun Drive and in honor of it being yet another delightfully weird One Bad Mother show, the amazing producer, Hannah, is going to join us for Genius and Fails. So it is with great pleasure that I get to say, Genius me, Hannah. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh my God, that's fucking genius. (laughs) Well, hello, Biz. It's fun to be on this side of things. All right, so as you know, I have, uh, during this time of the pandemic, been trying to steal my neighbor's cat from them. My neighbor has an indoor-outdoor cat (laughs) who is adorable, and since I mostly have lived alone during this time, the cat has become my friend. And over the July 4th evening, my neighborhood, like so many people in LA, just became, it was incredibly loud. And it was was surprising and shocking. And the neighbor's cat was outside... And I could tell he was very scared. So I let him in the house and I just had him in the house all evening and we just hung out together and I pet him and I told him it was going to be okay. (laughs) And so that was my genius. I just let him in and we, we survived July 4th together. You are so great. If those who uh, need to know, Hannah is allergic to cats. It's true. Though I think somebody has found a new best friend. That is going to, I am so excited about this relationship that you have developed with this cat, who is very cute, and I will demand you post a picture on the Instagram of this adorable cat. You are doing such a good job. Thank you. Okay. I, if there's one thing I have, uh, I had great skill for and have developed even further pre and post kids. It's my ability to assemble forts. I am a great fort maker. And so when Hannah said to me, hey, Biz, the sound could still be a lot better. (laughs) 
Can you figure out like some way to like set up walls or something to help make more of a studio for sound? Do you think you could? And she was actually suggesting some really thoughtful and probably good suggestions that I said, no, no, I've got this. And uh, I will also be posting a picture of my amazing sheet fort recording studio that I have made and that uh, I have to set up every time we record. (laughs) I have like put screws in the ceiling that of course have fallen out immediately. And it's all, it's all happening in this room. Uh, Katie Bell walked in today and was like, whoa, well, look at that. And I was like, because they never see it. I'm always like, the door is always shut. So it's, it's, it's my genius. I've adapted. It's a real genius. And I will say I've really benefited from this genius. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I think it, it, you're doing a great job. And also it's, um, I like the sheets. I get to look at them. They're very cute sheets every week. I think going forward, just to make life a little spicier for you, Hannah, I'm going to mix up the sheets. Ooh, I'm. Yep. <laughs> this is very exciting. <laughs> I look forward to this. <laughs> Good job. Ooh, thank you. Hey, guys, I'm choosing to call this a genius, but you can call it a fail if you want to, because I think that's totally fair. So my genius is that I almost failed and then I didn't. So I went to change my daughter's diaper after her nap and I noticed it was, like, really full, and her onesie was, like, a little wet around the diaper. I was like, you know what? It'll dry in a minute. Like, I know it's pee, but it'll be fine. It'll dry. Whatever. Um, so I'm carrying my daughter upstairs. Um, my hip starts to get a little wet, and I'm like, you know what? It's, it's fine. My shirt has P.I., but it'll dry. So she and I sit down on the floor in her room, and my genius is that I was like, no. No, no, it's not fine. We don't have to sit here and urine. I can get a new shirt for my daughter. I can get a new shirt for myself. And uh, we won't be covered in pee. So that's my uh, genius fail thing. Anyway, you guys are doing a great job. I'm doing okay. Bye. No, no, no. You are doing a great job anytime we can decide that we don't have to sit in urine and are able to change that. Uh, It is a win. It is definitely a win. You are doing an amazing job being a person. Good job. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Fail me, Hannah. When I moved into my apartment a year ago, my room that I'm living in was like a avocado green color. And Mm. I painted it this sort of white with with a hint of pink. It's a really pretty color. And I missed this whole section (laughs) at the the top by the ceiling where there's this like green still. And this is a really long fail. This has been going on for a year. I still have the paint. Mm. I I haven't painted that little section that's green. <laughs> and and once the lockdown started, I thought, oh my gosh, this is such a good opportunity 
for me to be able to do this now. I'm spending so much time at home. I'm working in my room. Mm. So I look up and I see that green spot of paint and it annoys me. Still haven't done it. No. Still haven't nope. painted it. Nope. Wow. Yep. That is, it's, it, I don't think you should ever paint it <laughs> because I think you should be reminded daily of how horrible it all is. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're doing a horrible job. Uh, just like even being in an apartment. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. It's like, terrible. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> I, when the pandemic started, I decided, uh, wouldn't it be delightful to get the children some sort of very educational, delightful subscription to a magazine? So <laughs> I got them... Uh, two different like sort of literary science magazines and they finally arrived and Ellis's was all about ice cream. And so there were just like page after page of like how to make ice cream. And I was prepared for that. So the fail is not that we made or didn't make ice cream, but like how to make ice cream, the history of ice cream. We know a lot about George Washington and ice cream and like <laughs> all the stuff. And at the end there is a page, I, I don't know if this is going to happen every issue, but there was a prank page. It was how to set up this spilled ice cream prank. You take glue and you mix it with like white or brown paint, right? So you have chocolate or vanilla. And if you have an ice cream cone, you know, like it, supposed to look like it has spilled out and you put it like on wax paper and then when it dries the next day right like it just dries I, I assumed that would take you know overnight mm -hmm. you then put it somewhere and you go oh, oh no <laughs> ice cream and so we made it we were very excited and we didn't have a cone but we had a little ice cream bowl and we put it in his closet to dry overnight because we didn't want anybody to see it. It was not dry the next morning. It was not dry for several days. Apparently needed more air. So we had to keep moving it around to like areas that it might get more air and yet not be seen by Stefan or Katie Bell. It took many days. That was very disappointing. We did finally get it dry enough. And it does look pretty amazing. I will also post that picture. Yes. Uh, and Ellis did get to, oh no, ice cream. The double fail in, in how long it took, the additional fail is that when we then moved it onto Katie Bell's bed to surprise her, uh, it actually, there's still actually a spot that wasn't dry. And so it left a disgusting brown gluey stain on her pastel uh, sheets. Oh so, no. Oh no. Ice cream. <laughs> How dare you try to cultivate creativity and fun in your children's lives, uh, right? I'm going to crush that. <laughs> Crushing that going forward. <laughs> Hi, one bad mother. Um, this is a fail. And before I tell you the fail, I just, I waited to make sure everything turned out okay before I called it in. So everyone's okay. Um, so my husband and I both work from home while our kids are home during this time, and um, I've been really trying to keep my five-year-old busy and engaged, and so one of the things 
that has been good when my husband and I both need to be on work calls is that I set up the iPad with Zoom for my um, five-year-old to talk to his best friend, and they just play Legos on the Zoom, and it's great. That would be great, except the other day I was doing this, and I went up to my room all set up for a call. He was happy, and then he ran into the room looking very upset, and it turned out he'd been trying to take apart two Legos, and one of them flew back into the back of his throat, and he swallowed it. And he was very scared, and my first fail was that I totally panicked and scared him even more. But then I called the pediatrician, and she told me what to do and what to look out for. It was like a flat Lego square with four dots on it. You know, it wasn't tiny. It seemed kind of big, so it was a little scary. But um, then when I kind of calmed down and helped him calm down, I remembered that I had this um, – this is the second sale. I have this Curious George book where Curious George um, follows a puzzle piece. And I remembered that we had this book, and I thought, that'd be perfect. So we start reading it, and I'm reading it, and I realize, oh, no, this is not great. Because it turns out in the book, Curious George has to, like, go to a hospital for two nights <laughs> and have a minor procedure <laughs> to get the puzzle piece out. So then my son was all worried about that. Anyway, I assured him that was not going to happen, and... We followed directions, and after two days, the Lego piece came out, and all was well. So the only way I could kind of turn this into a genius during these weird times is that then we spent the rest of the week um, doing, like, a homeschool lesson on the human digestive system. So that was that. Um, yeah, that's all. That's my fail. You guys are doing a great job. Bye. I... Love you. You are doing a horrible job. I, when I first started this fail, I listening to this, I thought, sack of garbage. This is, you know, like, this plays so into the, like, don't ever leave your children alone for even two minutes, you know, like, guilt that we all experience. So I am very sorry uh, that that happened. But then the moment you said, Curious George, I also have that book. It is a book that was written in a different time, that particular book. And Curious George swallows that puzzle piece, and the man with the yellow hat, like, his stomach starts to hurt, so the man with the yellow hat takes him to the hospital, because that's just what you do. You just go to the hospital first, and they do an x-ray, because that's what you do, and he had to drink, like, the chalky, it's not borax, whatever it is, the chalky thing so that it shows up and that is traumatic enough. Yeah, and then he's got to like spend the night in the hospital without the man with the yellow hat who has to leave him. He's like in a children's ward. <laughs> and then like the next morning, they give him drugs to like sedate him. It's, it is a crazy, terrifying story. So when you said that, I thought, oh, yeah, here comes the real fail. So you're doing a horrible job, though I will have to say you're actually doing a wonderful job, especially with the digestive science thing, because anytime our kids swallow something we don't want them to, it's traumatic enough. But bad job trying to use books to help. <laughs> you are the greatest mom I've ever known I love you, I love you When I have a problem I cry
One Bad Mother is supported in part by HelloFresh. Get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I have had a chance to try HelloFresh and it is my favorite meal kit delivery service. There is something for everyone, including low-calorie, vegetarian, and family-friendly recipes every week. HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients mean there's less prep for you and less food waste. HelloFresh also has donated over 2.5 million meals to charity in 2019, and this year is stepping up their food donations amid the coronavirus crisis. I most recently made firecracker meatballs. <laughs> they were so good. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 80BadMother and use code 80 bad mother to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. That's HelloFresh.com slash 80BadMother. I'm back. Woo! Still wooing all by myself. <laughs> because Teresa is still taking the time that she needs to care for her family. And this week, we're just going to jump right into the rant. So let's listen to something we can all relate to, which is a mom having a breakdown. I think this might be a rant. I don't know. I just feel like calling. I feel like nobody listens or hears me anymore. Like literally, my children don't hear me when I even bribe them with fucking donuts so I can go buy some plants. People don't hear me. My husband interrupts me halfway through my story because he something happened with the kids or he suddenly remembered something, but nobody asked me, like, oh, what were you saying? My best friend's phone doesn't work right. So when I'm talking to her, she's literally like, did I hang up with you? What's going on? Hello? Hello? And I feel like I... I'm just, I'm just done with this. <sighs> On my camera roll, it looks like I've been doing amazing. And there are times when things are good, and I am doing good stuff. But they're just assholes. I just am starting to think that I'm raising little assholes who have no consideration and no sense of gratefulness. And I don't know how to correct that. And since they're at home with me now all the fucking time, it feels like it's just all on me. All the ways that I'm failing as a mom is on me. And when my husband comes home and says that they're acting like jerks, I know, I know, and I already feel like I'm doing a shitty job. I don't need you also railing on them. I don't need that. I need someone to, like, lift us up and tell us all that we're doing an okay job and it's all right and they're just kids and they won't be terrible forever. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You guys are doing a really good job. 
you are amazing and you are doing a great job. I feel all of this. Um, I don't know how old your kids are, but I know that I go through this cycle, especially with the gratitude, a lot. And But I, I want to start with the feeling like no one is listening to you. Ooh, that is real. That is a real feeling. Oh, my God. I, it, that, I can't think of a time especially especially once I became a parent, where I didn't become hyper aware of feeling that I was just talking into the wind. The constant interrupt I mean, the constant interruptions. And then for some reason, whenever Stefan notices it and makes a comment like, don't interrupt your mother, <laughs> for some reason, that makes me even crazier. Because then every, yeah, I, I become the like five-year-old who's like, it's not worth saying anyway. It's gone. It's over. I don't want to say it. Right. And it also plays into the into the if no one is asking about how my day is, then should I even care about myself and my day? Right. Like it is the simple act of somebody asking how you're doing that can make such a difference. And the like your your kids aren't assholes probably <laughs> just like mine aren't and we don't usually like actually play calls where people uh, refer to their children as assholes but i i there is nothing mean or cruel about what you're saying you are you are in that moment of exhaustion and that moment of, oh, my God, am I raising jerks? I, I, I really have wondered this about myself. Am I raising jerks? Is gratitude something that people can show immediately upon birth? Oh, the answer to that's no. Is, is anything I'm doing, like, helping prevent them from being jerks? And is, there, is everything I'm doing the cause of them being jerks? I'm going to have to guess probably not. Kids are like inherently find gratitude hard to express at different ages. Okay. I mean, the number of times I wanted to be like, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to take everything out of your room then. <laughs> like that'll teach you gratitude. We are living in the woods for a month, right? Like just crazy. That's not going to help. Uh, it's probably going to be more scarring. It's a long game, but that's really hard to remember and provide any comfort when we are not allowed any time away from our children and vice versa. And the final thing that I relate to so hard and I see you is the, is if you have a partner, having a partner who comes home and you didn't marry an asshole. You know, this is about wording and tone and us trying to figure out how to let our partners or the people in our lives know what we need. And Stevan is like an emotional sponge. When I am having a really rough day and the kids are, he picks it right up. And it seems to add to it. 
it adds to the mood and the environment. And I, those words, I just wish you would come in and lift us up and tell us we're doing a good job. I am actually going to use your words and help express what it is that I need from my partner, right? Like, I think we commiserate. Sometimes we think that that's helpful. I think that we like, yes, everything's a shit show, right? But, and and there is some good that can come from commiserating. But again, that can also leave one person feeling like it's their fault if they're already wrestling with guilt. Okay, so I get it. I, I really, really do. And I want you to know that you're doing an incredible job. There's nothing normal about what's happening in our houses right now. We cannot control how our kids are processing this. And we can't control that a lot of times we are their source of regulation, which is incredibly difficult. You are not alone at all, really. You're not alone. You're doing a good job. And your kids, I'm just going to like, I'm going to say it. Go against our policy. I'm going to say it. Your children are not going to grow up to be assholes. Okay? I, I'm feeling pretty good about that. What did we learn today, Hannah? <laughs> what we learned is that I love talking with Deb Perlman. I loved talking to her over a year and a half ago when we had her on last to talk about cooking and parenting. And I love her even more now because of her ability to put words to all the feelings that I've been having and I know a lot of you are having because I listen to the calls. <laughs> about how difficult it is to be a working parent right now. And it, it's so much about being a working parent. And it's also about just being a parent in this country. It is, we are not left with a lot of choices. And yet everybody wants us to make choices. And right now the choices are harder than they have ever been before because it involves our health and the health of others. And that's impossible. And I, I just, I am reminded to continue to support teachers and to reach out to uh, our representatives, both all the way up to Congress and the Senate, but also down to our school boards. Show up at those meetings. They're running those school board meetings on Facebook, guys. Go look. Find out who your rep is in your district, all right? And call them. What are you guys going to do about this? Are there going to be paper towels in the classrooms? How can you How can you guarantee this? What can I do to support you? in making this happen is also a good question. This is not a problem that's going to be solved by one of us. It's going to be a problem that's solved by all of us. And we all need to be talking and asking how we can help our communities do this. Not just getting our kids back to school, but making it safe, making it possible for our families and our neighbors to work 
and be parents. Kids are in this world, guys. They're not going anywhere. Okay, so we're going to have to talk to each other and solve this problem together. And I I think we we can. I really I really hope we can. We also learned that it is the Max Fun Drive and I have to tell you this is a very hard Max Fun Drive because it, I miss Teresa so very very much. She and I have been doing this show together since the beginning and we have become friends because of this show. And I know that she is putting every bit of herself into taking care of her family right now. And I know how difficult that is. And I miss her, but I am here to support her. We made a bunch of videos before COVID hit when we thought the drive was going to be back in March, Hannah came over and we shot a bunch of weird videos and I'm going to release them because they're not horribly inappropriate. It's just that we're together without masks inside a house, (laughs) but watching them, I miss Teresa guys. Um, And I know you guys do too. And I want to say how Grateful I am that you guys have been so uh, patient with us and have uh, stuck with us. So I thank you for your support in listening to the show. We're going to be doing the Max Fund Drive for four weeks. If you can support it financially this year, we would really like your support because it allows us to be able to do this as a job. So again, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash join to find out how you can support the show. Again, even $5 a month makes a huge, huge impact uh, on us being able to do this. We're going to be around over the next four weeks with a lot of fun surprises. I am just going to say bop it. For Max Fun Drive, there are going to be some other fun things we'll be putting out there over the next four weeks. And at the end of this week, there's going to be a pub trivia show with John Hodgman and Chuck Bryant. So again, if you go over to MaximumFun.org join, you can find out about the pub trivia uh, that will be going on. Thank you guys so much. And now for the really important thing, and that is to tell you that you are doing a very good job. That's it. You're doing a good job. I listen to the calls every week, and it's remarkable. The reminder of how all the things that are difficult without a pandemic are still happening. A pandemic has not stopped pets from getting sick. It has not stopped loved ones from getting sick. It is not suddenly kids who had special needs don't suddenly not (laughs) have them. They still require so much. And we're all having to navigate all of these new restrictions and to help to help our loved ones. And it is quite literally uh, too much. And you're all doing a good job. You are not alone. We see you. 
Let's go out and see each other because we all have something that's going on. Okay. Everybody, I will be back next week with yet another fun one bad mother show surprise. <laughs> so I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>